Hour number three. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Joining me now is North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry. Welcome to the show. Congressman, how are you? Great to be with you. Sorry, it's not in person. No, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, I know you're a busy guy nowadays, so congratulations on re-election. And uh, uh, you guys are going to be in the majority now, so that means I'm, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, House Financial Services Committee, uh, you looking at uh, becoming chairman of that committee? Absolutely. That, that's been long been the goal, and uh, I, it's so close that I can almost uh, <laughs> almost taste it. So a lot of people aspire to different things. Congressman McHenry is like, House Financial Services Committee, that's, that's it. That's what I want. Why do you want to be chairman of this committee? Policy, to make things better. Uh, our system of finance in this country has made us stronger, uh, given us more small business creation, job growth than any other uh, country on the planet. Our capital markets are the envy of the world. People want to uh, have a public company here in the United States, even with all of our challenges. And then on top of that, I see the left trying to weaponize finance uh, for their social gains, uh, for their social policy. And so I want to fight that back so that we can have job creation and so that we can continue to be the envy of the world and outcompete any of our rivals. So right now you are, you're the ranking member, uh, but you're in the minority party. Maxine Waters is the chair of the committee. Uh, and in the wake of this FTX implosion, um, this, uh, this crypto trading house, whatever, uh, this exchange, uh, she is promising and uh, she's promising a hearing, I guess, right? That's the first step. You guys are doing a hearing. Correct. And this is the first bipartisan hearing we've had since, well, since I've been ranking member and she's been the chair uh, over the last four years. Uh, and the reason why, uh, you know, I, I think given this massive meltdown, we see what is basically a Madoff or uh, Enron moment uh, for this uh, nascent industry, this uh, new industry uh, that's built around digital assets and cryptocurrency. So I think we have to get to the bottom of it and why uh, why this happened, how it happened, and what is the public policy response to that. So what is your initial read on why it happened? Well, first, they were headquartered in the Bahamas. So you ask the, question, the natural question is, why are they headquartered in the Bahamas? That Weather. has never been... Uh, the, the weather. It's yeah. nice there. That's I, right. I, right. Well, <laughs> no. Fair. Fair. But when you're creating when you're creating a business platform, the weather is not usually the driver uh, of this. So they're in the Bahamas because we have no regulatory regime by which you can create, offer, and exchange digital assets uh, in a competitive way. And so uh, they headquarter offshore. Um, and then their structure is built around avoiding U.S. compliance because we don't have a proactive uh, digital assets, cryptocurrency, customer protection, consumer protection, and capital formation uh, set of laws here in the United States like we do for public companies or even commodities. And so uh, they avoided our regime. Now, layering on top of that, a, a complex web of businesses and then on top of that, what I, I think at first look, it looks like old school fraud. Uh, it looks like what Madoff did. Uh, it looks like what happened uh, to financial firms at the beginning of the financial crisis, that they had assets that they thought were worth something that turned out to be worth 
nothing. And a firm that instead of being worth, uh, you know, tens of billions of dollars was worth negative, uh, maybe eight to ten billion dollars. So there's a lot. It's this first read that, that we know have some understanding of where I think what this looks like um, at this early stage. But this is the reason why we have an investigation. We want to get to the bottom of it. So uh, you mentioned uh SEC Community or a Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, right? From what I understand in, in gotcha. the literature that I've been reading, the, the investigations, the reporting, is that Sam the Bank, as I call him, wanted, uh, he wanted, if there was going to be regulation, he wanted it to occur under the CFTC, not the SEC. Is that, do you think that that, and that there's a reason for that? Um, do you think that's fair at this point? Is that your understanding? Um, well, first, you know, we have two regimes in the United States. The, the Securities Exchange Commission regulates uh, uh, basically what we think of as business offerings. Uh, there's a test for what is a, a security, um, uh, you know, a legal test for what meets uh, uh, the definition of a security. Then we have a commodities regime. And the commodities regime is, if you watch the movie Trading Spaces, uh, way back when, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, at, at trading places, sorry. Yeah. Um, they explain the commodities market better than really any other movie. But, um, but the commodities market is a, uh, is a very simple set of structures and a simple set of regulation around fraud. And so what they wanted, what uh, Sam Bankman-Fried wanted and some others, was to go to that regime for regulation, for the regulation of the buying and selling of Bitcoin, um, and a few other uh, uh, products, um, actually all other digital products. Um, what I think is a reasonable undertaking is to look and see what, how these things function and have regulation around its functionality. Now, um, I think digital assets can be uh, new and different and, new, and unique, and other things uh, fit the current standard of stuff that's on the books, Right. You can have a digital commodity, a digital commodity like Bitcoin. You could also have a security, uh, a digital security, which looks like the owning of a stock, right? A business concern. So we have to have regulation that fits the actual activities and ensures that we can have innovation here in the United States. Um, now, why are we talking about all this stuff? This is not just tradable stuff, right? some sort of synthetic creation uh, of value. Um, what digital assets are, are the foundation stone of the next internet. Uh, web one and web two, which we're currently experiencing web two, um, those creations were American creations, United States domiciled um, technologists and companies. Web one meant that you could read stuff on the internet you could exchange emails and things of that sort. Basically reading the, uh, uh, the newspaper online. Web two was the ability to interact and the, and the portals that have been able to, uh, be the venue for that interact, interaction have benefited mightily economically. Think of Facebook. Think of Google. Think of that, those big, uh, current generations of internet technologies that, that most of us use. Um, Twitter. Um, so, uh, Web3 is how do you give individuals the power not 
um, the company that regulates the exchange. So Twitter and speech rights on Twitter, Facebook, how can you be uh, deplatformed from Facebook? And those questions you can resolve with this new set of technology, which gives people more control of their digital interactions online. So that's what we're trying to preserve. Well, now it sounds like something I should care more about than I, because I, I, I don't, I mean, I think I have like a, a bit of a bit of a bit of a bit of a coin. I don't know. I think I bought like $100, like, you know, when it was at its top. That's when I found it's best to buy is when stuff is most expensive. And then I'll sell when it gets low, of course. But um, uh, it's, uh, that's about it. I don't really understand the blockchain, uh, the technology and the concepts. Um, but I recognize that it's, it's a form of currency with value I do, because, there, it's a, you know, essentially there is a perceived value. And once there's perceived value, then people will, will want to trade with it. So I, I get that sort of concept of it. Uh, the and, and you've explained the CFTC and the SEC component to me pretty well. Like depending on what kind of business they're doing, but I hadn't was not aware of the connection with the web. Um, I am seeing there is some there is some uh, uh, what is it called here sharpening of the teeth uh, by lawmakers to pin this all on the SEC uh, and the head of the SEC, the chairman Gary Gensler. Is, so what is his role in all of this, to your knowledge? Well, uh, we know that he's met with Sam Bankman-Fried, but frankly, uh, if you're in D.C., anything re- any, in related at all uh, to digital assets, uh, you've met this guy at some mm. point in time. Um, but he, you know, uh, Chairman Gensler's met with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, Chairman Gensler has made key decisions that have uh, led more offshoring of the creation of digital assets and uh, the technology behind it, uh, which, meant, which means those jobs go overseas uh, and those technologies get deployed overseas. And if you raise money and it does well, those profits go overseas and those tax collections go overseas. So what we see from him is a very uh, anti-digital asset, anti-cryptocurrency uh, point of view. However, he has taken no action to protect consumers and ensure that if they do own digital assets and the firm goes bankrupt, that their assets are protected, like we have in the rest of the securities world. If you have a Fidelity account or a Vanguard account, you have a certain level of protection if that company goes broke, right? Right. Uh, if Merrill Lynch goes broke, like in the financial crisis, um, those, the, you know, if it had gone broke, mm-hmm. then those, your assets would be protected. We don't have those like kind of protections, um, in the world of digital assets because of the actions of Gary Gensler. So he, he's not acted in a positive way. And the things that he's done have disadvantaged, uh, consumers and made us less protected. Uh, the final thing I'll say is this. He's, his most significant action in digital assets and cryptocurrency in the last six months was fining Kim Kardashian for shilling for some coin. Um, and she, he fined, the Securities Exchange Commission fined uh, her a million and a half dollars for some sort of advertising thing that she did. Uh, that's his most significant action, which is ridiculous when you see a massive fraud like uh, FDX um, and what they've perpetrated and $2 trillion of value wiped out 
across the planet um, because we don't have smart regulation around this. Do you know that uh, Caroline Ellison, the girlfriend of Sam Bankman-Fried, that uh, her father was the head of the uh, economics department at MIT and once reported directly to Gary Gensler? Did you know that? Yes, I've read that. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> I just throw so, that out there. I don't know what it means. I just throw it out there. So on this, I've, I've been, uh, there have been a number of questions raised about his conflicts of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll investigate those things. Uh, and I don't want to uh, prejudge any of those things because I think there are serious, yeah. serious issues at stake. There's also this question of, uh, you know, other, other actions by players in this space that, that don't fall into what I'm doing legislatively. It's, it's fine for others to have an opinion about it, but, you know, I'm trying to stick to how we actually get something done so you can have this innovation happen in the United States and do it in a way that you don't have uh, an FTX situation uh, you know, defrauding customers. Congressman Patrick McHenry is my guest. We'll have more with him in a moment. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Congressman Patrick McHenry is my guest, uh, and he is uh, fixing to be the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. And... Um, I've got it. So I remember uh, probably uh, maybe about two years ago, a year and a half ago, we talked and you had said something on another podcast. And then I I, I went over with you and you had said at the time that, uh, you know, you can go to Congress and you can be essentially a bomb thrower or you can get stuff done. And both roles are needed. Like you need people to fulfill both of those types of roles. And you had decided that you wanted to get stuff done. You had sort of done your tour (laughs) as a bomb thrower early on. and so this, uh, so this sort of falls under the category of getting stuff done, getting to the bottom of the FTX collapse and the fraud that appears to be sort of at the core of it. And how do you how do you guard consumer interests and all of that? So the question then becomes: Is how effective will Congress be in actually doing that? Right in getting this done? And I have to tell you, there are people I know you have a good relationship with her, but some folks have expressed some concern that Congresswoman Maxine Waters is going to be the one trying to get to the bottom of this, at least initially. So what do you say to those who express those types of concerns? I've got to work with the people uh, that are elected to Congress to get things done. And I've made a willful decision that I'm going to try to get the best out of every relationship I have to benefit my constituents and American people. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm uh, going to the left. It means that I'm looking for conservative policy that moves us forward. And if it moves us to, in, our, in our direction, um, you know, a more, uh, more freedom for individuals, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and I'm willing to, to work with anyone to do that. Um, right now, uh, we have a, a Democrat Congress going out. Um, and what I... Uh, attempted as soon as the FTX meltdown happened, what I reached out to, to the current chair and said, we should do this together and we should start the process now. If not, we're going to have to wait till January. And in January, we're going to do it. And the way we start it is going to be different than how the Democrats would start it. That's for sure. That, and that's, that's understandable. It should, there, there should be two different approaches on this. Um, 
a liberal approach and a conservative approach. Okay, so and and right now, I think it's in our interest to start start the conversation, start the investigation, so that we can actually uh, get to the bottom of it more quickly. Uh, that's my goal. And then, so that's phase one. Phase two is obviously making sound, smart policy. It'll be a Republican House that will originate sound, smart policy. It'll be my committee that takes the first bite of that apple. Minnesota Representative Tom Emmer, um, I believe he's now going to be the majority whip. And um, he, I thought it was interesting, He, uh, this was from uh, Yahoo News, uh, he condemned the collapse of FTX as a failure of business ethics, government oversight, and regulatory procedures. Um, at the, you said it earlier that you, it's just good old fashioned fraud. Is that? It seems like like there were no business uh, controls in place inside the company. Things that you know, my my comptroller dad would would blow a gasket. At seeing, and I'm reading like the comments from the Enron bankruptcy guy, and he's like, this is worse than Enron. How does none of that ever pop across somebody's radar inside the business or inside the industry until it's it ends up like this? Well, hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital and outside investments, um, you would think that there was a greater level of due diligence that came from that. Uh, frankly, because they're headquartered in the Bahamas, we did not have the insight we needed uh, because, you know, frankly, we, we drove a business like this uh, offshore. If it was going to be legitimate, we'd driven it offshore. And I, I think the secondary benefit they got from being offshore is a lack of oversight. There was no board of directors. Um, and, and as, as, uh, my friend Tom Ember, as, as you quote him saying, he says it very succinctly. This is, uh, this is, uh, you know, not just a failure in, in one part, but a failure in three parts that, that are quite obvious. Um, the regulatory piece in America, we can get right and we can get better. We cannot force business ethics. We can have, we can have, uh, investors force business business ethics and better practices yes um we can have clear rules of the road and clear law uh so that people are not harmed uh but at the end of the day people are people and we have to have systems that that um that are outsized to the notion or ambition of one person or one personality and so we have to be smart about that one of the uh, there was a piece here at Vice dot com uh, how SBF and I hate using I don't like giving him the credit like that street cred with the SBF that's why I call him Sam the Bank now um, but he uh, he created this Vice article says he created a new playbook for manipulating Washington D.C. and they talk about how you know the way you just. His, his attire, his hair, his pedigree, his smarts, uh, the way he talked, this effective altruism, the woke language that he used in order to you know sell indulgences to people or whatever in the church of wokeism. But also, he spread a lot of money around, a lot of money between both of the political parties. So, and I think Emmer actually, I just saw today that he's he's gotten some of the money too. Tom Tillis' pack got money to oust Madison Cawthorn. So I, I wonder... Uh, who all on this committee that's going to be looking at it? Maxine Waters, I believe, got some money. No, she went down and met with him, blew him a kiss in one of the meetings. So, like, how do we know that this is actually going to be a a, a credible investigation? Public scrutiny. That's that's how. 
Um, all that stuff is knowable, and the public can hold people accountable uh, for the actions they take and the, the direction they take. Um, and, you know, it's up for the, the, the public. Uh, I deal with financial services policy. I don't deal with campaign finance policy. Uh, that is what it is, and the public is going to have to judge it for, for what it is. I don't think, however, this is some new, uh, uh, new, new process that he created. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a very old school set of charm, uh, that he tried to use in order to manipulate for the type of regulation he wanted. And, um, and you know, his, I, I, I would just summarize their view was to go, look around at all the regulators, and if anyone had calluses in their hand, it showed that they'd done a day of work, and therefore <laughs> they did not want to be regulated by them, um, which is insane. It's not like you know, going uh, a public company in the United States is the easiest regime in the world. However, we are you know, the biggest economy in the world. We have the rule of law. We have speech rights. We have all these things that are, that, that are so positive that it outweighs the regulatory pain of being a public company in the United States. Uh, now, obviously, I'm, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure it's easier to become a public company in the United States. And so we have clear rules of the road, so you don't have to play all these political games that these corporations are currently playing um, with woke politics and in the social agenda of the left. Uh, but, but, you know, we should be the place everyone wants to be. Uh, and and for, for generations, we were. And I don't want us to lose that. I don't want us to lose that to any other country in the world because of our stupidity or by the actions of the of the far left. Congressman Patrick McHenry, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. And um, for you and your family, a uh, favorite, uh, do you want to tell us your, what, what's your favorite uh, Thanksgiving dish that's going to be on the table tomorrow? Oh, well, I just brined the turkey this ah. morning. So... Um, you got that. Uh, but I, I would tell you, mashed potatoes are just, uh, like with a, with a little Irish blood, it's just hard to, for me to avoid any, <laughs> anything that's a potato. You know, <laughs> call it a potato. I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat many, many servings of it. It is. I have not had potatoes or carbs in quite a while. Tomorrow is going to be my day, I think, for that. So I will join you on that. Congressman McHenry, always good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you, your wife, and your kids. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Happy take care, sir. Every potato in sight. Get in my belly. Every one of them. News Talk 1110993 WBT. Thanks again to Congressman Patrick McHenry. We'll be watching that hearing, by the way, set to begin next month sometime. That's the plan, at least right now. The hearing into the collapse of FTX and uh, Alameda Research. I mentioned this Caroline Ellison person. She is the. Kind of on again, off again, quasi polycule girlfriend of Sam the Bank. And uh, and I guess the other people that were in the polycule living in the Bahamas. Um, she was the head of Alameda Research, the trading firm. This, by the way, comes from Business Insider. Alameda Research was the trading firm through which Sam the Bank moved crypto tokens in tandem with running FTX. 
Amidst the revelation that FTX borrowed money from customer accounts to fund bets via Alameda, Ellison has become a subject of online speculation. Ellison's virtual presence, however, is dwindling by the day. Her LinkedIn, online photos, contact information, it's all largely disappeared over the past few weeks. There, uh, right now, the most reliable information about her has been sourced from her Tumblr account. Oh, remember Tumblr? I never did that one. Anyway, is that still a thing? I guess it is. Uh, as well as also, she's done a handful of media interviews over the years. And in those interviews and on her Tumblr, she speculates often about gender roles, shifts in culture and society. I mentioned earlier that her father, Glenn Ellison, is the department head of economics at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He once reported directly to Gary Gensler, the the current chairman of the SEC. Ellison's mother, Sarah Fisher Ellison, is a senior lecturer in economics at MIT. So both of her parents are, are, are academic professors, right? They're uh, uh, tenured professors, whatever. Sam the Bank's parents are both professors at Stanford or Berkeley. Stanford? Ellison enrolled at Stanford. That's where she met Bankman. Or no, sorry. She, met, she enrolled in Stanford. That's where she first began exploring the effective altruism philosophy. And then she joined the Effective Altruism Club. And this is what has been, this is how the left got so suckered by this guy. Because they preached this philosophy of effective altruism, which is amass all the wealth you can. Money, 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 money. It's almost like uh, some of the, uh, some of the sermons I see some of the preachers doing, right? It was the wealth, uh, prosperity gospel, right? Isn't that it? Yeah, like. God wants you to be loaded, filthy rich, and then give it all away. That's essentially the effective altruism. Make all this money and then do good with it. That's the concept. And Sam the bank used that to defraud people and live a lavish lifestyle while promoting the idea that I just drive a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, and you've got $300 million of real estate in the Bahamas. All right, uh, Ron, welcome to the program. Hello, Ron. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm well. What's up? I'm stuck on 85, probably like everybody else. Oh, no. Where, uh, but my comment is, yeah. last year in June, I warned, I sent many emails to the Security Exchange Commission, Federal Trade Commission, and the state of South Carolina about FTX. I, you can watch, it's simple, You. it's simple, you can watch the hashtag and I'll make this about as simple for anybody can understand. If you have a bank and money's coming into that bank and no money's coming out of that bank, that's a warning. Biofinance, you can watch the hashtags of it going in, coming out, going in, coming out. FTX, all you watched was it going in. That was the warning sign right there. Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is watch the hashtag. What is the hashtag? Uh, in any cryptocurrency, you have what they call a blockchain. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll make this as simple again. Please do. You heard of Cash App, right? Sure. You got a Cash App on your phone. Yeah, okay. I send you $5 in Bitcoin. 
Once I do that, it goes into a blockchain. When I can watch that blockchain on Block Explorer, not only does it show my BTC, which is Bitcoin, mm -hmm. in the Block Explorer, I see everybody else's in the transaction. And the transaction ID is like a hashtag. Okay. You can see what's going into FTX and what's coming out. Now, I don't have the amount, but you can see the amount of Bitcoins going in and coming out. And so if it's all just going in, nothing coming out, that's a red flag. The only time it would come out is on Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Well, to hit the bars. Yeah. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, a programming note. I will not be here tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Also, I will not be here Friday. I need to get to the sales. No, I'm kidding. No, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving uh, day and uh, weekend. And if you are celebrating with family, look, uh, I say this on one of uh, one of my commercials, and I believe it to be true. And it's actually one of the things that has. I wish I had known this earlier in life, which is that uh, sort of the secret to happiness is gratitude, and that's what makes Thanksgiving. It's becoming more of my favorite holiday. I don't know if I have a favorite holiday, but I'm liking it more than I used to. Because back in the olden times, right, it was, oh, look at this. You trace your hand and make a turkey out of it. And then, you know, you make some, like, uh, little pilgrims. And you get some, like, weird little, like, cornucopias or something, whatever they're called. Like, these little gourds stuffed with other gourds and eh, whatever. And it's just really, it was always just like a very drab blah. Like, you would eat food, you'd pass out. Just, eh, boring. But when you start thinking thinking of it in terms of gratitude giving, right, thanksgiving, to be thankful for the things that you have, that's, and, and, and the things that we have, health, we're alive, family, right, a roof over our heads, food on the table, a job, a friend, or friends if you're lucky. In a word, this is all just life, right? And so... Be grateful for that. You don't need any other reminders except to read the headlines every single day. And uh, that gratitude, I think, will make you happier. When you stop and appreciate the things that you have, it'll make you happier. Like, for example, we live in a, we live in a world where they can print a house. I'm not kidding. They can print a house. A 3D printer. They're making... 3D printed homes just north of Austin, Texas. It's underway now. It'll be the world's largest neighborhood of printed homes, according to the builders. Um, the project is being spearheaded by 3D printing construction startup called Icon and one of its investors, home construction giant Lennar, Lennar Homes. Earlier this year, Austin, Texas-based Icon made waves in its hometown real estate market with House Zero, a 2,000-square-foot luxury home with walls that were printed in eight days. And now it's bringing this printing tech to the master-planned Wolf Ranch community in Georgetown, Texas, which will soon be the home of this 100-unit printed development. It is amazing. They've got 
like rails and it looks like a big like a big printer bar and it like just it like smushes out this concrete they call it lava crete it's a, like a it's like their own proprietary thing and it just like it just builds these rows and just goes up and down the lot and builds the whole house two six packs of shiner 99 cent butane lighter lucky strikes and a fifth of patrol down that igloo cooler Take a guess at all to do her I can feel a good one coming on Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard Sing along to Redneck Mother Any blues I had before are gone Another working week is over No chance of staying sober We live in a we live in a world where you can print a house and they're growing chicken in a lab. What wonders will we see next? Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight, situation couldn't be more right. I can feel a good one coming on. serious i mean there's really are things that they have invented but also in all seriousness thank you very much for hanging out for listening to the show listening to wbt i'm grateful to you because without you i don't get to do this and i love doing this and i'm eternally grateful i thank you i thank bernie i thank chris for making the show sound like it does thanks mike for hiring me and again thank you happy thanksgiving winterables up next we'll see you on monday don't break anything while i'm gone we're gonna keep this party rock until the break of dawn